Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Guys, we got to be real quiet today. The resident bears, Mitch and Dennis, I think they're in hibernation. We don't want to wake them up, so let's be real quiet. Unless we start talking about the spoos being up, 68 handles, and all the good earnings coming from Goldman Sachs and Johnson & Johnson. Also, I am coming out with my new two-year target for the S&P 500. Mitch, wake up and roll the intro. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, folks, strong close, gap higher open. You didn't even get a chance to buy that close. We're up 70 and a quarter handles at 37.60. Not any daily highs, folks, until you get up to the 38.20 area, as is illustrated here by this upper right chart. There's three highs. Don't know if we can get there today. Uh, the buck's not hurting things too much. That's up 22 cents at 112.13. No one really cares about bonds or the TLT. Uh, that's town 17 cents, 97.92. Uh, crude helping with the inflationary pressures down a buck 24, 84.22. Gold down six bucks, not really doing much. Silver flat. Bitcoin, not a risk asset or inflation hedge. Up 70 at 19,585. And Ethereum futures, they're just up a couple bucks at 13. 25 and a half. Uh, let's bring on uh, Dennis and Mitch. And uh, they're going to, what are we going to rip and short and sell today? This market is one. completely unpredictable right now. I will say that much. You're trying to call this market day to day. Good luck with it. Um, huge follow through from yesterday. You know, people are saying, when is the bottom going to be in? I think it was made three days ago. I mean, hindsight capital is indeed 2020. But when they bought that CPI data on bad news, that was your sign that this is turning into the silver lining market. We've had a little bit more bad news. They completely ignore the bad news now. FOMO running rampant here. Not chasing, but buying pullbacks. So I think, you know, we've rallied significantly, obviously, two sessions. We're up another 150 S&P points. So as much as, you know, it's hard to chase that rally from CPI day on Thursday, Friday was the day to buy hindsight capital again, 2020. I think you'll get more pullbacks. I think you're going to have some earnings warnings, which will give you those pullbacks. I do think some of those pullbacks are to be bought. This is a market where now they're looking at the silver lining again. They're saying, hey, you know, we don't care about inflation right now. Earnings so far have been so far so good. And everything is priced in. The everything priced in camp is winning right now. You know, for the first time in a long time, we're having these, you know, big moves overnight to the upside. We were having them to the downside or flat. And remember during like 21, you know, when this market was rallying, it was like, man, oh God, we're coming in 50 handles higher. I can't buy the open. And then it tacks on another 25 or 30. Yeah. And then you're like, you're there. Uh, Friday was the tricky day because, you know, Thursday, you know, you had the big move, and I think a lot of people, you know, piled in on on uh, you know, maybe Friday on the open. Then they got tagged a little bit, right, because they came down. And then the patient buyers, it's that thirty six hundred level. I know we ticked down to thirty five hundred, but like it just seems like the big money was accumulating in, in that area. If you even if you look at the daily, I mean, all these lows right here, thirty six hundred. Then you had to spike down in the washout, but it really looks like you had some long-term positioning going on there in the long side. 
And then the other thing that, uh, you know, Carmen, uh, not Carmen, Cameron pointed out, you know, where people getting out of, you know, this crowded defensive trade, right? The utilities. It was like, okay, you know, we hung around. This was a hell of a run. We, we, we got to redeploy, right? And I think that was a sign that the market was willing to take on a little bit of more risk ahead of uh, ahead of Q3 earnings season. Now, we haven't heard from the big guns yet. So, uh, no. you know, we don't want to yeah. get uh, too ahead of ourselves. Uh, but, you know, Apple, I mean, Microsoft cut jobs today too. Haven't heard from Google, Amazon. I mean, you still haven't heard, like I said, still haven't heard from the big guns, but man, oh man. Even though, even if they come in bad, then you have buy the, real buy the dip mentality might the, be there. This is the problem for the bears is it's turned back to buy the dip again and they need to break that. So the question is, is a big gun worn and then we get hit and then everybody just comes in and buys the dip. It kind of sets up for that. So I think you're going to have the warning, but right now they're in such a buy the dip frenzy that even if you get a warning, it probably gets bought. I mean... We, we've seen, you know, this market turn into this time and time again where it starts to ignore. Um, but, you know, when they turned around about that CPI data Thursday, it was a sign that, hey, you know, maybe the bad news is priced in here. And obviously Friday gave us a huge opportunity, which I did not take advantage of, kind of hitting myself for that because I thought it. But I was like, it was just, oh, so ugly on Friday. It was like, man, you know, are they just going to give, you know, everything back? And it wasn't the case. It came in Monday, exact opposite. And Tuesday, the follow through, and boom, boom, you're up 150 handles from the low on Friday. And you're like, wow, I missed it. And I think that's the case. I mean, I don't want to chase when we just ride 150 handles. I've been punished chasing in 2022. So, but I mean, chasing yesterday would have worked. Do you chase this rally today? I am not. What are your thoughts? I feel like at the end of the day, uh, you could have a rally today and you could have a rally in the next couple of days, but I still think that we get back down there. And that's my only concern. And that's the hard part of playing this game as a day trader, swing trader. I think, yeah, you're playing upside right now, but as an investor, can you really say that the lows are in? That's when I get, I think it gets a little bit troubled, especially when we're hearing mentions like UBS and Barclays yesterday, they put out a number underneath 3000 on the S and P 500. If we go into recession, uh, you got Jamie diamond pointing out 3,200. Are all these banks going to be wrong? And yes, right. Yeah, yes, they, they are. are. Yeah, that they makes are. You get, that's like some of the bullish. I said this on at the close show, right, man, Joel. that's so bullish. Yep. It's bullish. Yeah, there you have it. That's how they feel. And I guess all the banks are wrong. We got it right here. They're always wrong. That's the one thing is, you know, the the average analyst is just always wrong. So you you, you listen to those guys and do the opposite. You probably, um, you know, we should probably talk to our buddy over there and he should come up with an ETF, you know, just fades every analyst. That would, would do well too, because they're all wrong. So I think I think that worries me more that they're still, you know, they're coming out with bearish targets here. A lot of cash on the sidelines. It's always been the worry for me staying, you know, with the 42% cash I have right now in the long-term portfolio. The worry for me is that it's all priced in. We've come down a long ways on a lot of stocks. Now, stocks are still not cheap. But with that being said, you've still got this mentality that you haven't completely broken yet. And nobody's got a crystal ball. We may go to 3,000. Maybe these ugly earnings are going to be so ugly that it's not going to be able to, you know, the market's not going to be able to handle it or shrug it off at all. But you just got to trade kind of what's in front of you. And you felt, and you kind of called it, Mitch, you know, the capitulation yeah. on Thursday. Um, you kind of felt like a little wash out there. And then the rip and turnaround, key reversal in the entire market. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, we, you know, the bears are caught. And they used Friday, you know, Smart ones were trying to get out on the buy the dip, but now they're just chasing. So now, you know, we talked about 380. <laughs> I do think you're going to have pullbacks along the way. So I don't want to just jump in here and chase stocks. But, you know, as a resident bear for the last year, I've moved market neutral, but I'm starting to move to the bullish camp. So you've got to kind of, you know, just adjust as you go. And the market's telling me that something is different. What are you to say about recession concerns? Would those play into your factor? Do you think that it already hit and that's why you're we're kind of in a recession? In the 
Yeah. Some people uh, say that it, it still hasn't happened, Dennis. Yeah, they're all stupid. And that's, no, the, yeah. the, 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 a, we've already had the two, you know, GDP. It hasn't hit hard, though. And I still think rates, to your point, Mitch, are going to hit the consumer here. Um, you know, it just doesn't make any sense that, you know, the rates can go up this much and other consumers just going to find more money anyways. So, I mean, that's the bearish arguments. But the question still is, is it all priced in? I mean, yeah. we have come off, you know, on the queues. How low did we get here, Joel, off the lows from the highs to the lows? 33%? Uh, 4740 down to 3448 I mean, I was in Ann Arbor on Saturday, okay, and there are buildings and structures and just you. If someone would have said that there's a recession in Ann Arbor, Mich, I would tell you you're crazy. I go to I go to Kohl's on a Sunday to pick up something for Lisa, and the lines are just wrapped around the store. I go into the M den to get something. I don't know, people. Some I don't know if they don't have the money to spend. And they're still spending and they're racking up huge credit card debts. But, you know, just the eyeball test. I, I, That's the concern. Me. That's the concern for me. And the big concern for me is, is the worst yet to come. We'll have to wait and see. Let's go to Goldman's numbers here. Goldman Sachs Q3 earnings coming in here at an EPS of $8.25, beating a $7.71 estimate. Sales at $11.98 billion, beating the $11.43 billion estimate. Goldman Sachs' Q3 investment banking revenues at $1.58 billion, down 57% year over year. Global markets revenue at $6.2 billion, up 11% year over year. Asset management revenue was at $1.03 billion, down 20% year over year. Uh, provisional for credit loss at $515 million versus $175 million year over year. And Goldman Sachs says new operating segments will include asset wealth management, global banking, and markets and platform solutions. Also on CNBC's Squawk Box, Goldman CEO David Solomon said that a good chance for a recession. And so it's time to be cautious. Oh, there's so much uh, commentary there. Again, another investment. The investment banking revenue was not good there, but I guess everything horrible, else picked man. it up. Goldman just finds a way. Goldman Every bank calling for recession. I mean, it feels like. I, it's a very tough market. Let's just go back, you know, and I, I, I don't want to call it. I, like, There's certain markets that I want to call. That's why I'm like the last week or two, it's been two weeks really, I keep saying market neutral. People are making fun of me for it, but I can't call this market. I mean, it's just tough to call day to day. It's tough to call. Is the bottom in? I don't know. It, if there's a bottom in, it feels like it turned. It might be in, but it might not be. I mean, sometimes you got to just go with the flow and you just got to trade and you just got to trade the chop. And that's all you can do right now. I can't come in and give you a crystal ball and say, yeah, the bottom is in this buy, buy, buy. I mean, there's a lot of bad news still coming. So I'm staying market neutral. You know, I want it. I want to go bullish, but I got to stay market neutral here for the simple reason is that this is just not the market to call. And this show we've been doing it eight years. We make a lot of calls. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. You know, we called the COVID, you know, sell off. That was an easy one to call. Didn't get the didn't get the turn, not at all. It turned, and you know we kept trying to stay bearish and stayed bearish way too long. Um, you know, so we've called we called the recent sell off in the last three, you know, six seven weeks. That was an easy one to call too. It's hard. It's hard to but, call. But that. you're at a point where it's really hard now because you know what? There's arguments, good arguments on both sides. Lots of bad news out there, but stocks have been hammered. So 
I don't know where the turn is, and I'm not going to well, try had, to call we it. Well, we had Sal Rosh Hashanah and Bayom Kippur as an indicator. That was a little bit of a rocky, uh, a rocky road uh, to maneuver. Uh, but uh, you know, we did get you know uh, Craig Johnson, and I just saw that someone said he revised his. Um, uh, his year-end target to thirty-nine hundred, and that's a pretty con- that is a pretty conservative call, and I think that's that's a good call. I mean, do we do we? And I know I keep saying this for months, and it doesn't happen. But there's there's points where the market just has a direct, you know, it just it consolidates, right? And we had that consolidation there now near the bottom. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to go up. Maybe it's 300, 3,800, 3,800. You'll get the same kind of formation up there. Everybody will just scratch their head and maybe, you know, maybe we're going to have a 3,600 to 3,900 trading range. You know, I'm not until we, we see a, a tick down in inflation, you know, something like that. And I know I've been saying that for a long time and it hasn't happened, but the markets do lull you into complacency and they do have periods of consolidation. Right now, you know where the support is. It's hard to figure out where the resistance is. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, this, I mean, look at these three highs at 3820. There's not much in between here and 3820. That's not going to be an easy level to get through. It's just not going to blow through that the first time. That's probably a lot of shorter term targets too. I don't think a lot of the money in the market has this like super long time horizon that, yeah, we got to go back to 4,300 for me to make money or 4,400 to make money. You know, these much shorter timeframes, one week, two week, three week trades, you know, boom, I get in, I get a big position. I accumulate over a couple of days. I get it. I just don't, I mean, us long-term investors, yeah, we stay in the market, but I think the lot of reason you see so this, you know, this chop is this like, you know, these, these intermediate and big players too, you know, doing these kind of swing trades and they got 3,800 for a target. They're going to get out. They'll sell there at 3,800 and they don't care. They don't care if it goes to 3,850 or 3,900. I just, we have such a short term, you know, it's all, it's all short term trading, Joel. Your point is absolutely spot on 90% of it. It's all high frequency trading. It's just, you know, the algos are just ripping, 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 ripping right now. They'll turn it. They'll turn it in a hurry too. And that's why, you know, the chop, you know, is for an investor, it's a nightmare Yep. for a trader. It's got opportunity in it. So it's been a very good trading year. I mean, a lot of people, you know, looking at this year, what a terrible year. You know, I've been posting my results. It's been a very, very good year for trading. You've just got to, you know, but the investing side of it has sucked. I mean, we kept going down. So you keep hoping for the turn just for the long-term investment portfolio here. The turn will happen eventually, but I don't think like it's all of a sudden, yeah, you know, we're clear back to, you know, new highs next year. I think it's going to take, you know, years to get back to new highs. And then some of these stocks are never getting back. So, you know, we're just in a new pricing environment, you know, when you have the risk-free rate going up like that. So it's not an easy path, though. But people who just think you short stocks and make money, they're learning the hard way here. That's not the case here either. There has been wicked rallies through this whole thing. This whole sell-off has had lots of wicked rallies. And we're like, and then CBC, is the bottom in? You know, we're crushing. Is the bottom in? I mean, everybody, you know, every time we get a rally, is the bottom in? Was that the bottom? Was that the all-time low? Or the, yeah, the, the low I, for 2022? And, and nobody knows. Yeah, I can say that we've probably had this conversation about seven times. So, I, I, at uh, least maybe Mitch. the eighth time will be it, guys. <laughs> at least, Mitch. At least. At you least. Know, and, and some of these, you know, have been bottoms. They've been short-term bottoms and good trading opportunities. And other times, you know, they've take, just turned around on a dime. Yep. But one thing I've learned, I'll just bring it back to that, in 2022, the one thing that has been consistently wrong is chasing these these you know sudden these these huge rallies these five percent rallies in two days that has been consistently wrong maybe it's going to be different this time but i'm not going to come in and chase and we literally are up five percent in two days we're up five percent in two days from from the low on friday not done yet well you know but i'm saying at this point in time right now in the pre-market we are up five percent in two days it's hard to make money chasing these 5% up moves in two days. So I'm not necessarily saying I'm shorting it, but I'm saying if I was buying in the last couple of days, I'd be selling into this strength. All right, let's go to Hasbro here. Let's go to the next stock here. 
Hasbro. Uh, EPS at a dollar forty-two, missing the dollar and sixty-five cent estimate. Sales at one point six eight billion, missing the one point seven two billion estimate. Hasbro sees full year twenty-two revenue flat to slightly down in constant currency. Sees sixteen percent adjusted operating profit margin. CEO Chris Cox pointed to increasing price sensitivity among consumers. Um, and for the fourth quarter, which includes, of course, Christmas, the company expects flat results versus last year's results. Um, just take it back to, you know, this is, let's just call it, this is not a good quarter for Hasbro. Probably wasn't anticipated to be a good quarter, but we have to respect that, you know, money managers, you know, does this have a silver lining here again? Does it come into the silver lining market? They were like, wow. You know, we got to buy something. Hasbro sitting down here near the lows will buy this anyways. There's a possibility that that could happen. So I don't want to short it in the hole on a day that we're, everybody's looking for something to buy. On a normal day, other things being equal, I would not touch this. I would think it's, I would think in normal markets that we're just, you know, flat, that this would actually get hammered on this report. But it's holding up fairly well, probably just because everybody's looking for something to buy. There's a pullback in Hasbro. Wouldn't surprise me if they buy it. I'm not touching it because it was a terrible quarter, but it wouldn't surprise me if it, if some if they came in and bought it just because they're looking for something to buy. Yeah, you did catch that uh, quick dip uh, to 65, and they bought it right back up. I mean, the low of the move was 66, right? 65.84. So I think if you're looking to, you know, you have, you got to do a reset after that kind of number, right? Look for that 65.84. That's a buck and a half away. Uh, two things here. I think you're fine. We'll see if we can get green on the session at 67.71. Uh, but I think you got to. I think the bears in this are still in firm control. Uh, I'll bring this line down a little bit. I mean, you got a bunch of highs, 69, 69 and a half. So um, yeah, it's a nice pop off the bottom. But I think uh, bears are still full in full in control. Maybe even say if it can prove it can get above 70. So. Keeping an eye on the low of the move at 65.84. Johnson and Johnson's Q3 EPS coming in here at $2.55, beating the $2.52 estimate. Sales at $23.80 billion, uh, beating the $23.47 billion estimate. They lowered 22 guidance. They see full year 22 adjusted EPS at $10.02 to $10.07. Operational sales at to 93 billion to a high end of 93.5 billion uh defensive stock it's not the kind of stock that they're probably going to buy today so i don't <laughs> see it just rip roaring and going it's always been you know trading 16 times earnings it's fairly cheap you know relative to you know what that's pretty much where it trades so i'm just me i i, I wouldn't i don't think this is going to rip to like once if you're buying some 169 you know where's it going 170 171 it's not. I don't think it's rip roaring up to one seventy five here. Fine uh, report, but um, this is not the kind of stock that they're buying if they're going risk on. Oh boy, it snuck into the one seventy one handle somehow, some way. Uh, it had four highs in that area back in August. I don't know if we're gonna get back there today. I bet you, you know, all the stock in the book at what you know sixty seven, sixty eight, sixty nine, and seventy. You're going to have to find a lot of buyers to, you know, to even open this thing over 170. So big move in the lower 160s on Thursday, now 171. I'm not buying. I'll see, you know, what the the appetite for the uh for the for the bulls are to buy after this big report. Uh, just one thing, I did happen to have CNBC on for a little bit this morning. Uh, turn it on, just you know, and then turn it off when the first commercial comes. Uh, but one thing that we might be overlooking, and I heard that the CEO say, maybe if some of these companies that have the international sales, it it sounded like they like they maybe weather the storm with the dollar. Now, I don't know if Johnson and Johnson has a huge hedging department or whatever. And, uh, you know, I think that that's the reason Roblox said, you know, they're like, they mentioned the dollar effect. So, I mean, these are big multinational corporations that have been dealing with currency fluctuations forever. I mean, you had a trend in the dollar. Maybe the reason that these earnings are coming in okay is that, you know, maybe they had, you know, they're not going to come out and say it, but maybe they had some, some hedges on. To cushion the blow, because if not, holy mackerel! I mean, 
it seemed like it would be almost impossible not to have good earnings. So we'll see if someone actually comes out and says that. He kind of said that kind of tug-in-cheek. So, you know, big company like that, a lot of foreign currency transactions. Why the heck not, you know, have some kind of hedges? Lockheed Martin Q3 EPS at $6.71, beating the $6.68 estimate sales at $16.6 billion, missing the $16.64 billion estimate. They reaffirmed 22 Outlook and also said on October 17th, authorized purchase up to an additional $14 billion of common stock. So upping their repurchase. We'll see what happens here with Lockheed Martin. Again, this isn't, you know, a market stock. This sometimes actually moves opposite of the market. It's a war stock. So, you know, you always have to keep that in mind, too. When you get headlines out of Ukraine, I automatically go to LMT, General Dynamics, NOC, Raytheon, RTX. Um, so sometimes these stocks can actually move opposite to the market. Right now, it's just me. It was down a little bit. You know, they come in, they buy the dip because they're looking for something to buy the dip on. It reports us there. Again, tough you know, it's, it's yeah. going to be a tough day to call. You know, it's, some day come, days we come in, we make pretty, you know, easy calls. They seem easy. Today is not easy on anything. You had a nice spike. Uh, let's just see what happens at yesterday's high, 40061. Uh, and after that, it opens up to 405. But uh, quick spike, over 400 was sold. So I'm looking at that. Uh, a real great day. I mean, 407 is your three-day high. I don't know if it has the... the uh, the uh, momentum to do that. Miners supported the close 97.31. And if, you know, if they turn on this stock, uh, yesterday's low was down at 92.15. Uh, just going back like to general market talk here for a second. Yeah, sure. And we didn't, we didn't emphasize it a lot. And I, and I think Mix and I were, uh, Mitch and I were kind of on opposite ends of it, but you know, what she said in that, that speech, um, you know, like one one big thing about the market is everyone's waiting for like the China Taiwan you know confrontation in World mm -hmm. War Three, and we're all going to get blown up. I mean, he didn't exactly you know said that, and you know he he kind of I don't know he kind of talked nice. I mean, I don't I don't know if you know talk and actions are different things, but what you know if China starts to you know lift some of these COVID restrictions, you know to get the economy going again and. There was one thing he said, you know, it's like he said, it's our problem and, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're, we will use force, but it's, it didn't, I don't know. I think the market didn't just, sound like an imminent invasion was happening. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. And that yeah. I think calmed some fears too, because that's been a wild card. I mean, the markets would absolutely get hammered if, if China invaded Taiwan. It would absolutely that, that, get there's, hammered. There's nowhere to go. So, yeah, there's nowhere to go. We're making new lows at that happens. One thing, so, though, you said... That is a calming thing. One thing you said there, though, Joel, you saying that China is saying something and doing something else. They've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. I'll give you that I'm just, too, I, I just said that. I said They've that. They've never done that before, Mitch. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, just pointing I'm just, that out. I mean, I'm, hey, just, I'm just telling the way the market reacts. It's difficult here because yeah. the truth is expecting for war. I mean, you're just like, it's like, you know, it, are we going to have, you know, uh, uh, an earthquake today? It's like, it's like that kind of thing. You know, I mean, you're just putting bet on something that could potentially happen. But the truth is we don't know. And with that being said, the one thing that I'm just worried about is positions that are really kind of obtained to either China or Taiwan. So to me, like TSM is, is off the table for me. I wouldn't be long no, TSM. Nope. And even if like on a long-term investment, I would not be long TSM. And just because overnight, the risk now yep. is too big for me to be heavily invested into a company like that. I, I mean, I'm the same way, Mitch. And that's the one thing is, you know, it's one thing to trade on what I trade TSM. Absolutely. Lots of days I trade TSM. But would I go and put a long-term investment on Taiwan Semiconductor? Because it's really beat up. I mean, it's an attractive price. Yeah. But that risk is just so great you know like if that happened the stock could get cut in half just like yeah. that and overnight so i mean you know you can say 140 to 64 well this stock you know just has you know it's just gotten too cheap i'm gonna buy it here from fundamental basis it's probably true but you got to take that risk off the table you got to take that risk of an invasion completely off the table for me to get in and go invest in tsm2 and that's all market investing and trading is is risk management I can't manage the risk on that. So why in the hell would I buy it? 
That's the uh, trouble. What part. did I? I thought I saw this this morning. Um, a headline. I, I like one person is not too worried about having their money invested in China. Is one guy that is definitely smarter than me and definitely a better investor. Uh, Warren. Uh, did, did there was some news about a, a Chinese EV company that he's invested in? Yeah, and it it uh, just re- did you get the news on that? That yeah, uh, that's it, BYD, it's like putting Tesla in the rear mirror. Yeah, that's BYD, um, and that's the Chinese electric car maker. Um, and so they, they've been doing pretty well. Um, their net profits in three months uh, up between three hundred and thirty three percent. Yeah. Well, not, not the, uh, I think that might not be the exact ticker. That's the company's car. I mean, uh, Boy, the that's ticker, Ford gaming. Ford, yeah, it yeah. trades okay. in China. It doesn't trade. It doesn't trade here. Yeah, it's not trading. <laughs> yeah. It's like 12, 11 HK. So if you wanted to look it up, um, but yeah, so that's their Chinese electric well, vehicle. Warren's not worried Warren's about been, it. So, I mean, Warren's not worrying about a lot of things. Let's just be honest. <laughs> It's getting older. Warren, yeah, Warren. he's rich. He doesn't have to worry about anything. What's the well, worst he's still thing trading like he's still trying to make everybody money. We got a yeah, lot Yeah, exactly. I mean, it he's works. an apple. He's an apple lover. Uh, let's go. Let's. What is it? Eight thirty-three. Uh, we could sneak one more in here before we get towards our guest. Um, let's cover Silvergate. Um, and this was interesting because Wells Fargo had put a sell uh, rating on them. Silvergate Capital Q3 EPS at $1.28, missing the $1.34 estimate. Sales at $89.34 million, missing the $100.35 million estimate. And it's, it's, it's tough. SI, Silvergate. I, I, I think this, this is the kind of stock to buy the pullback on because it's risk. But yeah. it's not the kind of stock that I'm going to buy. Just because this is just you know crypto and everything yeah, else that they're crypto. doing in there, it's not my <laughs> cup of tea. But I will say this kind of stock is the kind of stock that they do you know come and buy the dip on. Is that all there was? Was just earnings? Was there anything else? Like uh, it's just getting so heavily offered that made me think that did they do an offering? They didn't do anything like that, eh? No, they weird. didn't. I'm just trying to look. Sixty-one seventy uh, was this uh, was this low here. Uh, you got a shot at it in the pre-market, three bucks above it now. Don't know if you're going to get another shot at it. I'd keep an eye on sixty-one seventy in order to fill the gap. You got to get up to sixty-nine twenty-three. Did it just? Were they big into crypto or something? Yeah, they the are. Silvergate? Yes. Yeah. You yeah. have a, a big investment in in crypto. I so, haven't classified when I'm trading with the crypto stocks. So okay. I don't know. Okay. Maybe exactly. they do some other stuff too, but I've got it as a crypto stock. Majority is crypto for them. Yeah. Uh, I but, just don't like crypto, so that's why I'm probably not investing in this one or buying the pullback. But I mean, it's we're like MSTR, for, you know, this, right? This market's FOMO. You got a stock trading back down near its lows from Thursday. People, money managers are going to be looking at that. And it's not surprising, Joel, where it bounced as well. When you were looking back, you know, the 61, yep. the low of the move on Thursday was 61.70. You bounced right in the 61 handle. That's not surprising here either. I wouldn't want to be shorting it down here. I'll say that much. All right, let's get towards our guest today. Let's get out of SI and Silvergate Capital and let's go to Nate Torbick here, investor and founder of Complete Bank Data. How are we doing today? Good, good. Good morning. How is everyone? Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, you got lost Dennis right quick there. It looks like that's toast time, but uh, that means we got Nate time. <laughs> yeah, so too Nate, much gold for him. I'm so always, Nate, I'm always what, listening. I just, what, the internet just blipped there. Oh, that's not <laughs> good. I'm here. I'm here, Nate. All so right, Nate, good. We had you on a couple months ago, or a month or so ago, and I right. and I put you on specifically for this date because the bank earnings mm. uh, came out and everything. Last time you're on, why don't you like pound the table? And say it's good for banks in a rising interest rate environment. 
We don't know about a recession, but the interest income for these banks is going to be a lot higher. Well, and they it, get loaned to banks. It it is while their deposit costs don't rise. Okay. Right. That's that's the biggest thing. So okay. So yeah. I mean, earnings were great. Um, like Bank of America. Uh, let me look at the number. I think they're earning their deposit cost went from eight basis points to thirty five basis points. So is explain that, like, that. What deposit costs? Because so, I know they're shutting down all the the drive through windows. Well, yeah. So, so here's here's kind of what's happening right now. This is this is actually happening in the market, and um, it's not really in the financial releases, but it's anecdotal. Is uh, everyone sitting at a bank? I, this is myself included. I I think my bank is paying me zero percent, and if yeah. I open a savings account, I get 0.1%. percent. Okay, I could go to a money market account. Uh, if you go to edwardjones.com, they have brokered CDs. Uh, Fidelity.com is brokered CDs. You get a six-month CD. You actually get a three-month CD at 2.75%. You get a six-month CD at 3.85%. You get a year CD at 4%. So you say, okay, wait, why is my money sitting in a checking account? You go to Treasury Direct and you could get the, the treasury, you know, whatever you get yeah. out of Treasury bond. And it's like, why is my money sitting there earning nothing? And so people are pulling deposits, putting them into CDs, or they're putting them into money market funds. And what's happening is now banks have to start to be competitive on their deposits. So instead of offering nothing, there's it's now um, you know half a percent, 1%. It's too little, too late. That's the problem. But so they were able to get away with not raising those deposit costs for a long time while the interest cost on or the interest on the loans kept rising. And that's why we had significant earnings from a lot of these banks. Now what's going to happen is those deposit costs are going to be trending up as the at the same time that, you know, they're going to come more in line with, with historical norms. And um, we're going to see more net interest margin compression, really. Um, but the ones who were who did really well against it were like, if you looked at um, Bank of America, their earnings, they did just fine on... Um, you know, interest expense, interest income, and they really blew it out of the water with trading bonds. So kind of the choppy bond market, they did well with that. Uh, Goldman Sachs, they did well with trading. Uh, those, you know, I mean, so you look at like, you look at the big ones, Goldman Sachs, they did not do well with investment banking. Morgan Stanley, their investment banking didn't do well. All the mergers and acquisitions, that stuff's down. But if if a bank has the ability to maneuver and to trade in this market, they're they're making up that difference you think it's a one-off then for these earnings with the you know that that you know they they you know they caught that window now they're going to be forced to you know give people their money at, at better rates I, and this is just a, so, a, a one-off uh, some i think i i think the market is going to segment significantly so what you're going to have is you're going to have big banks and regional banks that will do okay uh small banks they, uh, you know, you're talking about Warren Buffett earlier. What's that like swim? You, you find out who's swimming naked or something when when the tide goes out. Well, the tide's out and there's a lot of people standing in the water naked, looking around thinking, is it just me? <laughs> and uh, that that's the reality. So for a lot of these small banks, they had so much excess cash, even bigger banks like First Republic Bank. They had so much excess cash. They bought a ton of securities. Uh, those things have all been marked down as rates have gone up. So they have the inability to sell them. So they can't really fund their growth through their securities. So then they're, I mean, if you look, if you go to, if you go to fidelity.com and you go to their CD marketplace, you could see the list of banks who, um, I mean, they, they need funds and, and they need them today. And uh, they're willing to sell it at, at 4% plus to, to get that. First Republic's in there. Um, I, I would almost say that there's a town bank was another one I remember seeing. I'd have to go back and look. I, I went looking through that yesterday and I was like, these these are probably all avoid banks. Someone's out there trying to broker CDs. You, you probably don't want to own that one. So uh, I don't know if you caught recently uh, yesterday, uh, none other than Jim Cramer uh, recommending Wells Fargo or Wells Fargo, whichever one you want to call it. What do you think about that, Nate? I so I'm not a I'm not a Wells Fargo fan. Um, I think the culture is is just 
there's the culture is rotten and nothing's changed and things keep happening over and over. And it's, it's like, Oh, this is a one-off. Oh wait, maybe it wasn't a one-off. Maybe, maybe it's another one-off. Um, I'm not a Wells Fargo fan, but the thing is, you know, so any of these, so any of the big banks where they have a huge benefit is this is they're getting larger deposit accounts the, from businesses they're also structuring their loans. So they're doing um, a lot of larger business loans. So it's a um, there's it's a floating rate loan. So what they're able to do is as rates go up, those loan rates are going up as well. And just because they have products and services that other banks can't offer, a lot of those customers are captive to them. So they 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 will end up paying more for deposits, but they don't have to pay as much. And so um as long as the largest banks don't do something stupid like the subprime type stuff, I think those are actually the place to hang out um, through all of this. So I think you would be a fan of the inverse Jim Cramer ETF, but we won't get into that. Let's That's talk it. a little bit about SoFi. What do you think about that retail favorite? You know, I, I'm not a fan of SoFi. I'm not a fan of... Um, really any any of these um so there was sofi and um oh man there's another one they bought their they just got a bank charter and they'd been eating through capital um i i think fundamentally what's going to happen here probably within the next year is a lot of these um so you know there's a couple ways to become like disrupt banking so to speak and really the best way to disrupt banking is by offering better customer service and better products and not offering products to uh, segments that they feel are missed out. Uh, a lot of these companies, including SoFi, it's, hey, we wanna offer products to segments that um, you know we don't feel like they were getting a, a really a fair shake before. Um, I think what they're gonna realize is that um, a lot of those accounts are not really valuable accounts and there's going to be a lot of problems hiding in there and so um you know if you're so it's essentially like the buy now pay later if someone isn't able to if, if they're if they can't pay for something and you're offering some sort of a crazy layaway plan that's and everything is going well that's okay but when things start to fall apart that is not a good credit and there's a reason that banks don't don't do that so if you think about the market, here's a really interesting way to think about the whole financial market is um, at the top, you have the, the major banks, so Bank of America, Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, Citibank. Okay, below that you have, so this is in terms of credit quality, in terms of the ability to do big loans. Below that you have regional banks, and that's the, um, you know, the PNCs of the world. And then below that you have all these community banks, all these small banks. Now, a lot of people think it stops there. It actually doesn't. It goes, it then takes a step down and you have all of the credit unions below these community banks. And then once you drop below the credit unions, now you're into stuff. It's like the buy now, pay later. Uh, hey, you know, where could I get this easy credit type stuff? So like if you look at SoFi, um, they have a lot of credit card interchange income because there's no interest income because none of their customers have any money in their bank accounts. So they they have people who, uh, you know, it's like, hey, I've got 600 bucks in the bank account and I am cycling through that $600 all, every single month and there's nothing left at the end of it. And um, it, it's hard to build a business on that. There's businesses that do, but that that's a, that's, that's a tough pull. We're on the line with Nate Tobik. He's an investor and founder of CompleteBankData.com, author of the Bank Investor's Handbook. Uh, Nate, just want to talk to you. Do you think if uh, if uh, some of these big banks had a lot of exposure to Russia or what's going on in Europe, do you think they would you know let the cat out of the bag this quarter, or do you think that something you know some uh, big write offs are are, are looming uh, because of the European situation? And then uh, give us your favorite European bank to invest in. Oh man, my favorite European bank is don't invest in European banks. <laughs> that's that's it. Um, Number one rule. <laughs> there, there's actually I do have one, um, but so yes the. The in terms of um, write downs looming, there are things bubbling under the surface. So uh, last quarter, 
Bank of America, they released a billion dollars, I think it was $1.1 billion of reserves. They said, hey, we don't need this for, um, for bad loans. And then this quarter, they set aside an extra $870 million, I think, for potential bad credits. So at the end of last quarter, they thought, hey, smooth sailing, we don't need this money. Suddenly this quarter they do. Um, they didn't identify what those assets are. Is that European assets? Is that something else? We don't know. Um, I would say if, if you're thinking about banks that have European exposure, it's going to be JP Morgan and it's going to be Citibank. It's probably not going to be Bank of America or Wells Fargo as much. Um, so I would think of, you know, if there's exposure or a potential write down, it's going to be in those two. Um, in terms of a decent European bank, I like the um, the credit agricole regional banks, and uh, there's 12 traded regional banks. Um, they're all in France. They <clears throat> they have tickers like uh, let's see, like CRSU. Um, one of them, its ticker is crap. That's an easy one to remember. Uh, they all pay like five six percent dividends. Um, they are all kind of closely held smaller banks, all owned by Credit Agricole. Uh, like part of them owns part of them owns the parent bank, the parent bank owns part of them. And um, every once in a while, some of these go private or they sell out and there's a heyday and uh, kind of get the, you know, it goes okay. from $100 to share to $250, $300 a share. Um, but these are a decent place to camp out if you really want European exposure. Um, there's also some some really interesting little European, um, like some French small caps where they, um, they, they're they exposed, they're in Europe. And so they they trade in Europe, but they actually have worldwide exposure. And okay. um, so, you know, these banks have are dealing with those industrial customers. Uh, but yeah, I would not be like Deutsche Bank, Credit Suisse, all that. St I would not touch those things. I wouldn't touch uh, British banks either right now. It, it's not something is unsettled there and we're not exactly sure what. And I so, think by the time it falls out, this is like, uh, you know, people were like, oh, yeah, Bear Stearns is such a great buy at, at 50 or 60 bucks a share. And then a couple months later, you're like, oh, wait, that that was not a good buy, <laughs> you know. Something something was lurking and we weren't quite sure what. And so when there's ambiguity like that or uncertainty and uh, it's uncertainty to the level where you say, um, I could see their capital destroyed. You don't want to be in a levered institution with with that sort of a scenario. Nate, all these European banks look like they're in their own financial crisis. The charts just look like this. I mean, Credit Suisse, 20, 30 dollars. Eight years ago, it's four bucks. Yeah. I mean, they all look like they're actually, you know, in trouble. I mean, mm -hmm. the charts look like they're in trouble. They're all five, six bucks. I mean, the, what was the high in Deutsche Bank, Joel? Oh, it's eight dollars. Wasn't it like a hundred and fifty? I mean, these it, things yeah. are all pricing like there is a financial crisis. So one of two things. I mean, they're either really good buys or they are in a financial crisis, and a lot of these can end up, you know, being in major trouble. Yes. Yeah. I mean, here's oh, the yeah. thing with a bank is yeah. so so say that there is a financial crisis and Deutsche Bank does survive. So what's typically going to happen is there's going to be that crisis period. That's probably going to be the low in the stock. And then that thing might bounce. Maybe it gets to 15. Mm -hmm. But once it's at 15, that's now now it has it's going to be rebuilding its earnings. And that's still a good buy. You, you could. So, yes, people get lucky buying right at the bottom with some of these banks that that they just barely made it. And it's true luck. The better thing is to know. Hey, this bank has made it through. It's still trading at a depressed valuation. I mean, it you know, if it's at fifty bucks, we're talking or fifteen bucks, we're still talking down ninety percent. So it's a better buy at down ninety than it is the uh, you know down ninety five or whatever it is here uh, because you just don't know. It right now it it still could fall another fifty percent. Um, it's we're not in the uh, there's a resolution to this type of a thing or even a clear path. I got, I got one more for you here coming out of the chat and boy, I, I haven't heard this term in a long time overnight repos. 
And yep. uh, we, yep, we got a, a question here uh, from DAZYV. Um, asked Nate about the overnight repos, which was down last night. Uh, he saw in a post on Twitter. Uh, says is an indication of 200 day support. Talk about the overnight repos um, and the implications for the market. Right. So the overnight repo is um, is assets that hedge funds or counterparties cannot get credit from a major investment bank. So the Fed's sort of supporting this market. Um, a lot of people think it's kind of, you know, it's garbage marks and they're just trying to, to wait out. I kind of think of the overnight repo as, uh, you know, say you bought your house for um, half a million and now everything in the neighborhood's going for 380,000. And you're like, well, I, I had someone who was interested in half a million and I'm just going to keep trading on that until things recover. And <laughs> it's, you know, it might work. You, you might be able to beat it out and then to, to offload some of those assets, or wow. you might actually have to recognize that loss at some point. So um, yeah, it, as that thing balloons, that's essentially, um, I mean, so Goldman Sachs has turned down those funds saying, yeah, we, we would provide a, you know, overnight financing for these assets at the value that you want. But the Fed says, no, that's fine. We'll take it. Um, so great. So it's it's not great. But the thing is, this is one of those, it's been rolling forward and getting bigger and bigger for a couple of years now. And, you know, when you think about like what it means and, and what the overnight repo is, it's like, wow, this looks like the floor, the bottom's about to fall out. Yet it hasn't. And so I, I don't know what to like, maybe they just keep, floating this thing forward and it resolves. I'm actually not sure, uh, but it's not a good thing. All right. Yeah, the, so was that a Miami Redskin glass there or was that a uh, Oh, yeah. Yep. That's right. You're a Redskin. Okay, Mitch, yep. did you, wanna, you have another question for him? No, I just wanted to say the only repos I know are the ones where you hear, you know, the tow truck in the back and you're you're running right. out the, the house. But uh, I just wanted to wrap up there. I appreciate you joining us today. Like always, Nate, it's good to have you. And I will be watching to see what happens to those buy now, pay later situations. That's I'm sure it's going to have an interesting end to that story. We'll definitely yes. have you back yeah. on to speak all about it. You guys go ahead and check out completebankdata.com if you guys want to learn more. Where Nate it works and appreciate you, Nate. Have a great one. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. Take care. Thanks. All right, let's wrap on up. How's the markets? Joe, it's just rolling, man. I said I didn't think it'd get to 3820 today. I, I don't rolling. know, man. This has been. Let's I mean, that's. That... I don't want to see Deutsche Bank. Let's see the spy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no one wants to see Deutsche Bank. <laughs> Let's see how the spy uh, the spy lines up a little bit differently. Where uh, thirty eight twenty was my number, but right here, I mean, you gotta think that the bulls are maybe not today. Where are we at three seventy five? Why not three highs in the same area? Three seventy eight, three seventy nine. Let's call it three seventy nine for the S and P's. I don't know, maybe because of the. the um, uh, usually they correlate a little bit better, but the S and P's the key area that I'm talking about. That two two week high is thirty eight twenty. We're fifty handles away. I, oh boy, that that go would... back to that spy chart. Why the heck was the spy chart so messed up? Or maybe you just the top left. I'm looking at for the yeah. No top right. Um, I don't know. Three seventy nine is not lining up with the um, you know. Usually it would be like three. This would be like at three eighty. Right. Why is your spy pre-market chart not showing the pre-market? Oh, it's because whenever I go to futures, it and I've okay, never annoying. been able to figure there out. There you go. That's default. what I'm looking yeah. at. I was like, this there is not the spy go. chart. We, Dennis and I were yeah. like, that's not I'm our like, we've been climbing relentlessly for the last <laughs> hour here, and it's not showing it there. I so. wish I could be that chart because then we would already It'll know what's like, going to happen. <laughs> yeah, bye. But uh, there you go. I mean, just climbing. Climbing, 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 and you can see on the dailies here with the spy. Not you do small. have a little gap fill. Where's the gap fill at? I know with the spoos, it was uh, what's the what's this low right here? No, three seventy two sixty eight. See you later on that. So three seventy nine and thirty eight twenty in the spoos are 
maybe not today, but maybe later in the week, and that's your two-week high. But uh, everything's ripping. I mean, can you find anything down, anything with bad news on it? Nothing. Well, there's one area that we're definitely going to be watching after the bell, and, of course, you guys can catch the earnings call right here on Benzinga. You don't got to go anywhere. Netflix earnings call today after the bell. Netflix had a great run yesterday. Big move. I uh, was looking for a move up. I didn't expect it to get all the way to where it got to yesterday. Definitely a big run on Netflix. The Still 250 area right there. Yeah. Go ahead. It's trying to break out. I mean, we're going to see. The earnings are going to be obviously a coin flip event. But right now, if it pulls back on a significant pullback, there'll probably be you know people looking to buy the dip. So, again, such a tough market to be bearish in right now when they just can't stop buying it. We'll see. I'm waiting Netflix. for the eventual it, rug. Pull. The big like, thing I Netflix, feel like something's going to pull the rug here, and then we're going to get an opportunity to buy well, some stocks. I, so I mean, I'm frustrated with just the relentlessness because obviously I'm sitting yeah. with 42% cash. Um, I, I, I'm hoping we're going to get some type of event where it knocks the market back down, and that's going to get us a chance to get some more exposure here because there's a non-zero chance that the low was made three days ago. There's a non-zero. Not saying it is. You know, it is the low, but I'm saying it's possible it was. So got to respect that. Got to respect the change in sentiment here in the last three days. Netflix is expecting to snag a million subscriber ads sure. this uh, this quarter, right? Of course, pay attention. What if they lose subscribers again? Well, Netflix would get hit hard. So we'll definitely keep watch to see what happens after the bell. No one knows where the subscribers will go, but... Of What's course, it, seven Netflix. bucks or ten bucks or eleven bucks? How much is Netflix? Oh well, now they have the ad tier, right? Seven bucks. It was about I mean, fourteen, fifteen bucks um, before. So we'll see. I mean, they were losing subscribers for two quarters. Now they're expected to add another million subscribers. Let's see if they actually got those subscribers back. All right, two minutes here. I'm. You can tell I'm distracted just because yeah, there's just so many positions here I have on right Let's, now, and I'm like trying to do a live show. I considered not doing the show today because there was so much action here, but um, we'll let you guys finish up. Yeah, yeah go ahead, uh, Triple D. Anytime. Um, we definitely got a lot to talk about. Should we? Uh, what do we got? Salesforce. Salesforce. Let's talk about Salesforce. They okay. did get an activist investor uh, revealing uh, Starboard, revealing a stake in Ooh, Salesforce. Starboard getting so down that hit uh, in the middle of our show. There, uh, hit the tape. We'll have to see what happens here in Salesforce. I mean, I mean, this is one of the best companies, right? I feel like everyone believes in Salesforce. I think Starboard is taking their shot now as it's come down on a discount. Uh, well, if we go to the Starboard move from yesterday, um, that was in, was it PayPal? Um, who did it get down and dirty with yesterday? Was it PayPal that popped to 78? No, it wasn't PayPal. Starboard did something yesterday. And Splunk. It, it, Splunk. 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 So if you're... If you're using the Splunk playbook and hit the pre-market high and faded considerably off that, right? Pre-market high, boom. Now you're getting yeah. back up to that area. So um, you did get the initial pop here in CRM. I did notice that 160 area was kind of pesky. You backed off four bucks from that. Uh, 160 here, just over 160. So now that you pull back four bucks off it, I think it's going to be a little bit harder to get up there. I'd find uh, an intermediate point. Maybe you'd be looking at 58 and a quarter. That's the next daily high I can see. That's still two bucks away. See if you get lifted at 58 and a quarter. Uh, boom, coming back on. It's just one of those days, you know, if the market stays strong, you're not going to see the top of the range from yesterday. That's 149 even. So I think longer term, if it comes back into one, you know, everyone kind of forgets about it in a couple days. You have a couple bad days in the market and maybe get it back down to this 149, 150 area. But looks like it was a, a sell the pop there. So, all right, I'm going to wrap things up here today. Uh, this is it for me for the week. Uh, no at the close today. And then uh, I'll be gone for the next few days. So, Everyone behave, uh, be nice to, uh, to Dennis and, and Mitch, and uh, I'll be back with you guys um, on Monday. Go get them.
Have a good one, Joel. Like always, you guys can keep up with Joel on Pre-Market Prep Plus, and he will be out for the rest of the week. So uh, you have a great time off, Joel. We'll try to do our best to keep up with all the market action right here, of course, on Benzinga. Up next, you guys got some live trading action. If you guys want to come over and trade with us, check out Zunaid, Lord Ryan, and myself as we get into the action. We'll see what happens today. Will the spy break through that 380? Or will we have an inside day? Maybe could possibly happen. Or will we get a red day? Don't expect to see that. But of course, you never know what can happen in the markets. Like we always say, no one knows. The only thing we can do is try to set probability in our favor. We'll see you next time right here on Pre-Market Prep. And let's keep going and start the day. It's time to shine and go trade. I'll see you traders. Up next, live trading. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.